Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 27th of May, 2022, a Friday. And this is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, markets, startups. Uh, I'm Nadine Blaney, and I'm here with my colleague, Andrew Gagan. Nadine, how are you? Look, it's always great to end the week to get to a Friday because... um, I don't know, just recently I found, you know, the weeks, there's so much to digest and uh, it's happening again this week, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I don't know if this is just generally how everybody's feeling, but number of guests, when they come in, they get set up in studio with us and you have a moment or two to speak, everybody goes, oh my gosh, it doesn't end, does it? And, Mm. And, you know, it's the end of May. It's hard for me to believe that we're halfway through this year. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, lots of digest as I was saying this week, because, of course, the uh, federal election result. Uh, In fact, we're going to talk about that in just a moment as far as uh, what some of the beneficiaries will be. Uh, But overnight, interesting to see what's developing in the States as to just how far the Fed Mm. is likely to go with, I think, you know, markets obviously baking in 50 basis point hikes for June and July. But now talking about pausing. In September, because of a perceived, you know, cooling of the U.S. economy, even though there's a really strong jobs market, we're hearing more and more now from a lot of companies, particularly in the tech space, they're starting to um, lay off people. Yeah, well, but it's an interesting scenario, isn't it? When you've got Apple lifting its minimum wage for employees to $22. So that's going to the wages story and the inflation story as well. But to your point, we did see some weaker data coming through in the United States. So, for example, housing it seems to be slowing down. To your point about the jobs market, jobless claims down as well. So that's just the strength being seen there. And don't forget, we get non-farm payrolls next week as well. But the Fed minutes, the FOMC minutes, pretty much confirmed those 50 basis point hikes in July, June and July. Uh, but yeah, uh, maybe a bit of a pause to to take a look around and see where things are going. And that is why we saw some enthusiasm in the Asian region today. So those real aggressive Fed fears abating, but also Chinese tech did well. So even though you've got the likes of Alibaba pulling guidance because of obviously concerns about supply chains and all of the usual things that we're talking about. I mean, just think of NVIDIA this week as well. Uh, you know, still expressing confidence in sales going forward. And that's despite, you know, the data again in China also retreating. Industrial profits uh, today in China was a pretty disappointing read overall. That said, though, increasingly I'm hearing from uh, fund managers and the like who are now focusing on China because they feel as though they have seen a bottom. Mm -hmm. And perhaps now is the time to uh, take a good look at uh, those opportunities because perhaps there's a little more regulatory certainty there. And uh, but of course we're seeing that uh, that economic weakness. But of course we're talking about the PBOC. 
it is it is a command economy, so they can pretty much do what they like to uh, to stimulate it. Absolutely, and we had the week started with that thirty three point plan in terms of very targeted stimulus. So looking at the property space, looking at SMEs. And that came after we did see the five-year mortgage rate um, being stimulated, essentially, to end last week. So, yeah, there's movement happening in China. But, yeah, you're right. I had a number of conversations this week, and a couple of them just sort of slipped the top of my my head right now. But I know in the Global View, I spoke with um, a credit investor from Credit Sites. And, yeah, just talking about where we're starting to see a lot of value emerging in China. So it's one to watch. Um, but you know, it's still very touch and go in terms of lockdowns, in terms of health outcomes. In fact, you know, the vaccine is not widespread. Apparently, it's not as effective as it should be. And you know, there's there's big problems in terms of accessing healthcare outside of the main cities. So, uh, you know, it, it appears as if China's not in any hurry to change their thinking around COVID. Like people say, oh, they're going to have to end their COVID zero policy. But, you know, an expert that I spoke with this week, again, just saying, look, they, they, it was Mark Todd actually from the Bank of China saying they have to think about their population and the health outcomes. When you compare the U.S. population mm. to, you know, the Chinese population, they just can't let it run rampant. I know I'm talking a lot, but I, I this sort of sticks out in my mind as well. Ira Epstein, you know him well from mm. um, Linen Associates. He brought something up today that uh, yesterday that I thought was interesting. He said, oh, by the way, don't forget, COVID is still rampant and spreading here. In Chicago, apparently, I didn't know this because it's not being reported, it looks like they're going to go back to some sort of a mask mandate there. So the Fed has always said that health is the X factor here. Well, that is the case here. In fact, our very own uh, Carl Rotter has pointed this out in his view today, but um, just as far as where we're going with COVID. But I, I actually took a look at the breakdown of some of the figures uh, yesterday around the states. New South Wales, 30 deaths. We forget that so many people are still dying from COVID. And More of course, now than... And, and so many people are still falling ill. Yeah. So that's got to have an impact on the economy. Yeah, it, it's, it's a sleeper. I think that everybody's just so over COVID, talking about COVID having their lives changed because of COVID, that we really are sort of turning a, a blind eye. And, of course, the other issue at the moment is cost of living, and we don't have to go to the shop or uh, the petrol pump to see that at the moment. I know in the States they're looking at those record-high fuel prices. That's obviously a huge concern just as far as the impact on consumer spending. Uh, but even here, Nadine, um, just yesterday, of course, we had news that you know, on the east coast of the country – uh, energy prices are uh, going to go up by as much as 18% mm -hmm. in July. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I did the classic parent, why are all the lights on in this house? Everybody's <laughs> got to turn the lights off, um, which I haven't, I mean, we, I usually turn them off. We're not that bad. We're not wasteful. But yeah, it's just sort of front of mind, I suppose. And I don't know about you, but on my way home from netball last weekend, petrol, despite this fuel excise relief, was above two dollars where I had to put yeah, fuel in the car. Comfortably above that, and uh, I, we've actually we have a diesel and we have a <laughs> petrol car, and we we try and alternate depending on <laughs> because both those prices are quite different depending on the time of the week. Yeah, <laughs> sure is. Um, and you know that brings me to a conversation that I had today with Stuart Roberts from Stocks Down Under, um, because we had a lot of those agri companies out with news this week. Um, Inside Tech Pivot splitting. Its divisions, uh, New Farm, you know, got a bit battered after one of its key shareholders sold out. But still, the narrative around a lot of these um, 
you know, these food-related, fertilizer-related companies, Elders is another one, bumper result coming through, is that we're going to continue to see food inflation. We're going to continue to see food scarcity. And so that is an area of the market that, you know, you really need to consider. And Stuart, you can actually listen to the interview via the show notes. He sort of takes it one step further to talk about even some of the big caps like BHP. He said just in a stroke of genius, you know, may finalize that uh, potash buy in Canada because he thinks that's, you know, that's a real theme for investors that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I spoke with uh, Chris Conway from Marcus today on the show as well, and that is a part of his buy, hold, and sell for is a Friday. It? That uh, his buy is an ag stock because of where those fertilizer and food prices are going at the moment, and certainly given what's, uh, you know, there's no resolution to what's going on in Ukraine. So we're going to continue to see those supply pressures at the same time. Uh, interesting that you know his defensive stock is um, a toll road operator. His sell. Um, is a um, is a construction stock. I'm not going to give them away. You can have a look when you get <laughs> to the website. Um, but it, it, this is a real concern, I think, and it's exposed in the states, but also here. I'm so every day in the news. I'm looking at another mm-hmm. um, home construction company that's fallen over. I'm just wondering whether this is much bigger than has been made out at the moment. Possibly. I mean, even anecdotally, I've been speaking with people who say, "Yeah, I've got a." A bulldozed empty lot sitting there right now because the builder, who I thought was giving me a great price, who I thought the margins looked a little bit thin, but yeah, sure enough, gone belly up. That's just an individual home being built. But yeah, you think of that tract housing being built in some of these growing uh, areas, you know, and then you've got the double whammy of, of uh, you know, rising input costs. Mm. It's just, it's um, it's really confounding exactly where it will end and where the actual reverberations will end up. No, oh, I've got a barometer over my back fence actually because there's a house that hasn't moved. It's halfway mm. through Still construction. Still not. No, it's just sitting there. I think initially it was COVID because they couldn't find the workers. Yeah. Then there was those supply chain issues where they couldn't find the materials. And now I just genuinely think they're actually in trouble yeah. because they're on that fixed price contract and those prices have just gone up and up. Yeah, well, I... I spoke with the builder and said, "Don't even." He, he said, "Don't look to build for two years." And that's how dire it is out there. He actually laughed when my husband spoke to him and said, yeah. "Oh, do you think you could build our house yeah. after this one?" He said, "Yeah." Well, in fact, uh, yeah, Chris Conway said, "Oh, you know," after having said that, he said, "Actually, I'm looking to renovate now, which is possibly <laughs> the worst time to do it." Yeah. So there's so many different dynamics out there right now. Um, look, you mentioned the election off the top. I think we should go there now. Um, For something a little bit different on this Friday, we spoke with our two experts on the call to find out what company they would be considering or have on their watch list, considering the fact that we've had a change in government. Don't yet know, as of time of recording, whether it's going to be a majority government, but with the crossbenchers, with the teal candidates, with the greens gaining power as well, their thesis is that there's no way that we're not going to see a more green or carbon friendly or you know climate change active um, policies being put in place so have a listen to their two companies that they've got on their watch list because of this change of government the outcome of that election it's been said was a mandate on climate change and so i think that was the big theme i took from the election that the government and the policies that they will you know, come out from with this election will um, will really drive that that decarbonisation. Um, wait and see what forms that takes, but there's certainly some businesses on the ASX better positioned to take advantage of that. So Genus Plus, um, GNP is the ticker. About 200 real market cap, so it's a bit smaller for your more conservative investors. Um, and these guys are like a, a service provider for, for power and telecoms industry. So 
Um, they're involved in the construction and maintenance of um, substations, power lines, and, and you know the electrical and the telco grid. Now, I think the explosion that we'll see of renewable energies at a decentralised level to the to the power grid means that businesses like this could really benefit, um, you know, constructing the extra substations, power lines, you know, all that you need to make sure that um, these new smaller scale renewable projects are able to connect to the grid and get power where it needs to be. I also think it's very interesting um, called GenX. Now basically GenX is a, essentially an infrastructure company that has been building um, solar plus also um, this sort of solar storage. Um, now. They have a battery plan that they're doing, but on top of that, they also have this long-term project that they've been working with pumped hydro. So essentially, you use the solar energy uh, to pump, you know, water to a higher spot, and then when you need to release that, you can you can do so. And given the uh, continuity and availability of government-subsidized low-interest debt is sort of so key to what these guys are doing, I have a hunch and would suspect that it's quite likely that under a Labor government, especially when you've got, look, at the moment, I think we're at 75 seats for Labor. So if it just does happen that they need one more seat, well, the Teals and the Greens are all in favour of renewable energy. So it's hard to see that we don't have a government that's much more um, encouraging of renewable energy. So these guys should be a direct beneficiary of that. Okay, so just to clarify, they're not saying go out and buy those right now. You might want to listen to the uh, to the program in its entirety because I did sort of push them and say, okay, what needs to happen then for it to actually be a buy? What would you be waiting for? So it's it's worth sort of listening a little bit closer because they're, they're not, just to be clear, telling you to go out and buy those names right now. Well, and to be fair, I think the uh, incoming government have other issues to deal with before they get to that. You would think so. Because, I mean, you know, they acknowledge that cost of living is certainly a huge issue they've got to deal with, uh, provide some relief there. be interesting to see how they actually tackle that. Plus, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, they've got uh, a lot of social spending that they promised uh, prior to the election. Is that now on hold, potentially for quite some time, uh, simply because of the deposition that Australia finds itself in and, you know, given that the economy potentially will turn down? Yeah, warning about the budget repair that needs to happen. Uh, you know what else I thought was really interesting this week, Andrew, that, you know, we'll continue to sort of think about and talk about as well? is uh, one of the first trips, I mean, they got very active going to Japan, but also Penny Wong going to Fiji to really express Australia's commitment to our Pacific region. And yesterday after the market closed, you might have missed it, but at the same time, we had a Chinese official in the Solomon Islands, again, talking about its commitment to the region. So this is a, this is a real, it's a real opportunity, I suppose, for Australia to make up some lost ground, but it's a real tension point I think. Yeah it's going to be interesting to see who wins the frequent flyer battle mm. around the Pacific whether it's China or Australia but certainly uh, yeah Penny Wong wasting no time in getting out of the blocks there and uh, actually um, going to see our various Pacific partners. Well I was, I was talking about economic growth here of course we got um, big release next week with Australian yeah. GDP. Yeah and we had some partials this week that disappointed so construction work done capex yesterday a bit weak although the forward estimates were good today's retail sales number I don't know it was weaker than the market had expected but plenty of people saying the volumes indicated people are I don't know what what, what were people well, telling know, you about it's still, it? It's still strength there yeah. but um, I think you know the perhaps the worst is yet to come because obviously you'd imagine those discretionary stocks are going to be hit um, 
only because obviously when prices rise that people pull back mm -hmm. on that discretionary spending. I'm finding it really confusing about what's going on in the States at the moment because you know last week you had Target and Walmart that mm -hmm. had horrible figures and they were punished as a result. But then this week we've had what the likes of um, Macy's and Macy's, yeah, yeah Costco, did well. and even Dollar General because there was some thinking, well, if the high end's doing well because there's more rich people <laughs> post-pandemic, to put it mm. crudely, perhaps that lower sort of end of the market would suffer, but obviously not. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, there's a lot of lines that are trying to be drawn between what's happening in U.S. retail, what's happening here. But I had a good conversation with a couple of uh, interlopers, a couple of visitors from overseas. It was in the Global View today. And they were saying in their view, the U.S. consumer is still doing quite well. There's still a lot of stimulus. There's a lot of wealth. Those wage increases are coming through. Yeah. You know, and yet we're obsessed about the impact of inflation on the consumer. So I think that story's got to be written. It'll be written here in Australia. But Sean Callow from Westpac did say that if we continue to see these GDP partials coming in weak, it, it kind of changes the scenario for the next RBA meeting, which of course is not next week. No, yes, it is next week, isn't it? I'm, no, no, it's no, the it's week, week after, after because it's yeah, 31 because days it's in May. It's yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's saying that, you know, these foregone conclusions that we're going to see a punchy rate hike coming from the RBA, if we get a couple more wobbles that, mm. uh, you know, anything's really on the table. Yeah. Um, we've also, towards the end of next week, too, got a better read on what's going on in the States because we have those key non-farm payroll figures as well. So see if that shifts the dial just as far as expectations of the Fed and what they're likely to do. Hey, but listen, um, overall, it's been a pretty, you know, a, a really strong session here in Asia. Uh, the 7200 level just couldn't be achieved by the local market. However, week to date, it looks as if we're going to be up about half of 1%. So I think mm. given the sort of up and down nature of this market throughout the week, that's, that's pretty good. Also, interesting to look at crypto too, just briefly before we, we finish this, in that uh, obviously we've seen a tight correlation with, uh, with stocks, particularly yeah. tech stocks. It decoupled overnight, yeah. but to the negative. So what, what were your experts <laughs> telling you about that? Well, uh, look, not a lot of explanation really. Um, obviously, when things get tight there, uh, investors in the crypto market tend to turn to Bitcoin. And uh, you know, once again, you can jump on the website, have a listen to uh, Tony Sycamore from City Index. He talks us through, we do this monthly, mm -hmm. go through the top crypto charts to see where they're likely to go in the next month. He's seeing the sunny side here, even though we're in the depths of a crypto winter, um, but he sees some potential for upside. Don't yeah, get well, too excited, but <laughs> Because we're coming off but a very low base, of course. But I don't know yeah. if you saw it in my face. But no, but um, it reminds me of the macro, micro crypto with Carl Capulinga today. And yeah, to your point, crypto winter, but Bitcoin is dominating. And uh, yeah, he always has some good charts just for a last little plug for an interview if you'd like to go online and check that out on this Friday. All right. I think that about does it for a Friday. Yep. Have Cheers a, to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've got, got another big weekend ahead. I'm just trying yeah. to think of what I've got to contemplate as far as the kids are concerned. But anyway, that's a break yeah. for the markets, isn't yeah. it? All right. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.